When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest uh, weekly podcast. I'm delighted that you can join and um, I'm also delighted that our esteemed guest list is here again this week. Uh, Andy Dunn, my colleague, chief um, sports writer of the, of the Daily Mirror. Jeremy Cross, uh, double cross, um, uh, chief sports writer of, of the Daily uh, Star. And Matt Dunn. Rothman's aficionado, collector supreme, football guru of the Daily Express. Um, and guys, what a week it's been, honestly. I, 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 I don't know, in, in the incredible soap opera that is, is football, really. Manchester United, uh, the Manchester derby, the fallout of that, the FA Cup. If you don't know already, I love the FA Cup. Can we just stress that, please? <laughs> um, and then, honestly, the, the, the ongoing saga of, of COVID, the COVID idiots. How on earth does does football um, cope amid um, the, the absolute chaos and tragedy um, within society? It, it just seems so surreal at the moment. So we will get on to very important issues quite apart from that. But I am going to start... Uh, um, Really on the on the Manchester derby, um, it, it, you know, if I may, and uh, I mean, it, it, it does feel like an, a, another semi has got away from from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Manchester United. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, Pep Guardiola is supreme in this competition, isn't he? I mean, we often talk about the kind of the League Cup and how seriously that is taken. Well. Go and speak to Pep Guardiola and Man City about how serious that is taken because it's another final for them. Guardiola against Jose Mourinho. But despite all that, it almost feels like we should talk about Man United first. So I'm going to leave that open, the agenda open to, to Jeremy, really. You, you, you were there last night, Jezzard. Tell yeah. us, tell us, what's what's the biggest story, really? What's on this? United's failure again or, or, or City's well, revival? I mean, City getting to an... Carabao Cup final is, is not a story anymore, is it? They've done it every time. <laughs> Fourth one on the spin, obviously got a chance now to emulate what Liverpool did in the 80s. It, it, you know, to win four on the trot is remarkable considering how many managers down the years have basically, you know, treated the competition with disdain really at times. You know, it's regarded as the the least important competition. But Guardiola's looked at it as the opposite. He, he views it just as important as a Champions League or a Premier League. You know, it's another trophy to add to his collection and you have to fancy them to beat um, Tottenham in the final. But yeah, just going back to your question. Yeah, so the, the story last night was that once again, United have come up short. You know, there's an amazing stat that Solskjaer's lost four semi-finals now in the last 12 months and Fergie, it's more than Fergie lost in 26 years. So it's great that it's crazy. I mean, look, is that a mental block, mate. Or he it, says it's, it's not. He says it's not. Look, twice they've come up against City in in this competition semi final, and you've got to say that City are are a better side than United. So ultimately, you know, the best team has gone through. Um, but you know, if you're going to win things, 
you've got to beat these sides in the big games. And it's it's now a problem because, you know, Solskjaer's desperate to get his hands on a first trophy. He's into his third year now as manager. Um, you know, I've not won anything since 2017 when Mourinho was in charge. So the pressure's building and ultimately United managers are judged on trophies. And while United are going in the right direction under Solskjaer, they're obviously going great in the league and doing really well there. We can go top. Um, so, you know, there is signs of progress, but they're coming up short when it matters. And that's a con- that would be a concern for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andy, do you think it's a mental block? Do you think it's a it's an obstacle when when these things you know suddenly become fixated in your mind? Do do, do you know? Do they become yeah. such a huge obstacle, or what do you think? No, I, I, I agree with 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 Solskjaer last night when he said we just come up against you know a very good team, an exceptional team, in fact. Um, whether or not it's a mental block in terms of are the players where I would see the mental block is where they want, they need big players to stand up in these games and big players to win these games for them. And I didn't see that last night. I thought that was the issue last night. And maybe that's been the issue in previous big game semifinals is, is that last night I watched that game. I thought it was a fascinating game, but I did not see United's big players stand up and take them through that game. I didn't see Paul Pogba have the sort of influence on, on a game that Kevin De Bruyne can have. I didn't see, Marcus Rashford at his best. You know, there's that that chance early on that, that he, he sort of let go through to um, Zach Steffen. Um, they're the sort of chance you need to take in semi-finals. I didn't think Bruno Fernandes had as much influence on the game as he could have. I didn't think the defender from set pieces, <clears throat> which should be led by Maguire and Lindelof, was as good as it could be. So in other words, what I'm saying is, I, I genuinely don't think that United's big players, who should be influencing those games, um, came to the fore last night and that's why they lost the game where the City's big players Diaz Stones even um, certainly De Bruyne you know even Sterling to an extent although he might not have had his best game you know he was absolutely non-stop I think they Foden did was good last night too, and, Foden, and Foden was good he, he, even though I, I would personally like to see him a bit more central but I, I mean I mean, good you know and I just don't think you know compared to what they've been doing recently the United's big players turned up. I don't think it's a mental block, but then it depends how you define a mental block. If a mental block is not playing well in big games, then then it was. But then they've got a history of that, a recent history of that. Yeah, no, sure. Matt, I, I just wanted to touch on, on I, 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 honestly, I was genuinely moved and I thought the, the, the respect and uh, the words uh, and the performance indeed that, that sort of City dedicated to, to one of their greats, Colin Bell, was 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 absolutely top class, wasn't it? Whether that was kind of the the coming out on the on the retro shirts before and John Stone's post match interview, you know, with the dedication that that Guardiola did in the most moving of way, you know, post match on 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 Sky. I thought there was something else, a real touch of class, didn't you? You know, it's, it seemed a big moment for City. Well, I have to say, this is a wonderful moment for us all because of John mute. Matt Dunn's on mute, so you know, perhaps you can stay like that for the rest of the show. <laughs> Too late, no, he's back. He's back. Fix that. We were trying. I was trying to build it up to a very, very emotional it's, it's moment. Emotional moment. Back, yeah. back, I mean, the, the thing is that this mute, it's all new to us. This the, 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 these type of meetings, aren't they? <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, we've hardly done any. Um, I'll be exactly. honest. Te- Technology-wise, as, as well, last night, um, I, I was I was watching the telly and and thought. Um, if I wanted to watch a hopelessly inadequate home defence embarrassingly breached far too easily, there's no point turning over because I was watching CNN already. But um, <laughs> Very good. But, uh, yeah, that one up. 
There's one I prepared earlier. There's one I prepared earlier. Um, uh, but uh, so I caught some of the stuff for Colin Bell before the game, but afterwards it was it was striking that um, people were making the point of interrupting interviews to, yeah. to to make that dedication. He's clearly a player that is probably more appreciated within the club than he is more globally. Um, his playing days were before my time, so I, I know him as a football card. That that that's kind of the extent to my knowledge. And he's not somebody that we've gone on and on about for decades since. But but clearly he's held in a high esteem within Manchester City, uh, and some of the plaudits to his game um, that have emerged over the last sort of few hours uh, have kind of reminded those of us who weren't lucky enough to see him play just how important and influential a player he was, and uh, and the fact that with all their players City have got a stand named after him that tells you just how high a regard he's held you know within that club. Mm, yeah, I, I must say, Matt, sticking with you for me, we, we were both at White Hart Lane on, on, on Tuesday. There's a certain symmetry, isn't there, between Jose Mourinho's um, uh, affection for this trophy uh, and what it means to him. He sees it as a trophy to win. He sees it playing into the winning mentality. It was the first trophy he won in that, you know, in his first manage, managerial spell at Chelsea, you know, his first job in, in English football. Similarly with Guardiola, he's taken it seriously from day one and wanted to wanted to win it and, and you know, you know, wins it year after year after year. You know, now they're they're head-on collision in, in the final. But what does that tell us about that the, the, these two managerial greats, is, if I may call them that? Because I think they are. Yeah, I think it's fair enough, isn't it? Um, it's any trophy. It's not just this one. It's any trophy, any silverware. Um, Pochettino realised that too late at Spurs and was a bit blasé about the cups initially, um, and then got hit over the head every time for not winning anything. Um, Jose knows this is the first chance in the year. To every season to to get some silverware, uh, and he goes for it. So does Pep. It's you know it's the same. Uh, and you know even when Pep didn't win the title in his first season as manager, you know four league cups potentially shows you he's been focusing on, on getting something at least. Um, uh, and as Jose pointed out, you know the list of winners in recent seasons, mainly dominated by City, uh, has been. A lot of big clubs haven't been afraid to lift it. It's not not an embarrassment to lift it, uh, and you know there are we are lucky to have three competition domestic competitions in this country, but only three teams can win them, and and why not be one of them? I mean, I, I don't understand the teams that don't put a bit more effort into it, given it takes place so early in the year, uh, and now they've got you know they can enjoy the fact they've got their ticket to the final. <laughs> And, and sit for the next three months without having to think about it. So it's not going to get in the way of their season. The only interesting thing will be is whether City are involved in Champions League semi-finals a few mm. days afterwards, because that might spoil the final itself. Um, it'd be good to see that they both get a free hit at it, and that'll be a fantastic, you know, hopefully a sign. I think Jose's written off the fact it'll be a full Wembley, but but hopefully some fans at Wembley, if if things pick up, fingers yeah, crossed. Who do you make favourite? Well, City obviously will be clear favourites. They've got the better players, um, the bigger squad. Who knows what their squads will, be, will look like come April? You know, will there be, will there be injuries? Will COVID still be around? Um, it'll be fascinating to see how the game plans out because, I mean, I'm sure that Jose will look to sort of soak up the pressure and hit City on the break. A bit like United tried to do last night. Um you know, City had 70% of possession last night. They just mm. basically ground United down until, until, the, until they submitted. So it might be a similar game, actually. But you've got to fancy um, 
you've got to fancy City. They've just got a bit between the teeth at the minute and they're, they're coming on strong at a good time. Just going back to what you said about the Carabao Cup, though, it's... Mm. Um, I know obviously people like Guardiola, they've got the squad rotation available to to really give it a go in the Carabao Cup. A lot of top flight clubs don't have that privilege, do they? But just imagine what a confidence boost it gives to your season when you can win a trophy at the start of a year. You know, I know it's put back to April this year. It's normally in January or February, but it gives you such a boost and momentum to, to take on into the coming months, doesn't it? It really does. And I have to say, even this weekend, you know, that that's yeah. the point, you know, doesn't it? It's suddenly City's mood this morning is going to be different from United's, isn't it? It really is. And the, the, the um, obviously we hope that sort of kind of the, the whole point was moving the final back was we might get some fans in. <sighs> I don't know. I, it feel, still feels like quite a long, long shot there. But, you know, I, 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 it, this Competition is 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 one is one to be taken seriously, isn't it? Who do you make who do you make favourites? Who do you, who, who do you think you know will will will, will reign supreme? Well, yeah, yeah, city fa- city favourites, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how how they go about it. Um, I think we probably all know how the game will pan out. <clears throat> Whether or not you know Pep might temper the way he plays in the sense that you know if you saw City at Chelsea, they were quite happy to sort of sit back a little bit more than they'd normally do um, mm. and play essentially on the counter-attack. Of course, that's that's Joseph's modus operandi and that's what he'll be wanting to do at Wembley. Um, so so we'll see whether or not actually Pep indulges him that way and plays his normal way. I suspect he will. <laughs> I suspect he'll, he'll back himself. So it'll be fascinating. Just again, c- um, continuing that theme about the Carabao Cup and its importance. I just think it's... I just think it's fantastic. I think it's a reflection on uh, uh, of how seriously these guys, Jose and Pep, treat it. It's a brilliant reflection on on the setup of English football and a brilliant reflection on the enthusiasm of supporters in English football. If there were fans allowed, and sadly I'm, I'm with you and I'm very sceptical about the numbers that will be allowed, if any, even on April the 25th. But if they were, it would be an abs- it would be a full house. It would be an absolutely belting occasion. There'll be Premier League games on that day as well. You know, there, there always are. But that would take pride in place. That's where you'd want to be. That's where everyone would want to be. It's fantastic that we sustain these three competitions. You know, I don't think, um, this, this may be a bit of a, sort of a, a lazy generalisation, but I don't think there are many other countries that could sustain these three competitions with such enthusiasm. I think it's absolutely fantastic that, that we do that. You know, listen, this was a full-blooded semi-final last night. These were two very high-quality teams going at it. It, it, it's like you know. I, I just do not see what what um, in, in in essence what's not to like about it. And okay, you have to accept that there are going to be weakened teams played, reserve teams played. You, you know, people getting the chance that normally wouldn't. So that's just part and parcel of it. Just as we're going to have to accept the FA Cup third round this weekend, we're going to see teams made up of of, of maybe under twenty three players like involved, or again reserve team players. That's just the nature of cup competitions. And just get over that, accept it. And in the end, of course, what we, what we always see is competitions generally is, is that one of the top sides actually win them. And we, and we normally get a very good final with, with two very good teams. So I, I think I think it's, you know, I, I, I think there's an issue this year in the sense that can you get every competition in? But in general, I think, you know, it's a competition that for all, for all the critics of it, it just continues to flourish, you know. And, and, and as I say, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer would have been loved to be in that final in April. 
Yeah, absolutely would. Yeah, Matt, just a final word on, on, on last night. I just wanted to sort of kind of, you know, do almost a bit of a hat tip to, to John Stones. You know, John Stones, you and I, I think we were at um, Stamford Bridge, weren't we, on on, on on Sunday. And, you know, he's playing so well again, isn't he? You know, he did well, you know, again again last night. You know, recall for England, you know, how impressed have you been in his character? I was going to ask you much the same question because I'd kind of written him out of my England thinking whenever you're trying to put together squads and whatever because Gareth doesn't seem to, seems to find on, it easy man. to drop him. Nailed on. But I think now, yeah, exactly. I, th- I think the way he's playing now, because he's mm. playing regularly, which has always been the the um, hook that yeah. uh, Southgate's used to pull him with, um, I think, you know, it's hard to see anyone. I mean, we aren't that blessed with centre-back still. That's why we've still got three at the back. And and it, it, if he carries on like that, I think he's you know, rewritten himself back into that score very it, firmly. If I can come in, I, I mean, I've been I've followed John Stone's career very closely, and, and he's the best centre back in England. I, I don't care what, what anyone naturally says. gifted. He's the best centre back in England. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, he's made mistakes, as we all know, yeah. and we've all seen him. And you know what? I've always found, I've always found it. The one thing about John Stone's mistakes is, you know what? There's one thing that's in common with all his mistakes: they always get punished. I mean, they always seem to get punished. Do you remember the the Carabao Cup final of last last year, last March? Yes, yes. When he made a mistake and Villa scored, the, the, you know, a worldie, an absolute worldie. I mean, and, and the guy probably, I don't think, ever scored again. I mean, I'm not sure. but you know, And do you remember when when we were, I'm, I'm pretty sure we were all there, at the Nations League finals in, where was that lovely place? Oh, Guimaraes. Yes, Guimaraes. Oh, oh, yes. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, see the world. A lovely yes. square that was. No, it was a beautiful square, wasn't it? Well, remember when we actually tore street. ourselves away from those cafes um, in that square <laughs> and actually went to the match? And um, do you remember he made a mistake then? Yeah. And, and and it looked for all the world as though I think Pickford made a great save. I was going to get him out of trouble, and they scored. And if you remember, oh, he actually got he got dropped. And that was, and, and it always seemed to me that Stones was always one who was always the scapegoat. I remember again, without, I remember a game against Leicester City a few years back, and I turned up at the game, and, it, and it's Leicester City v Man City. And I look at Pep's formation, he's got three at the back, ostensibly, which was Kolarov, Zabalet, and Stones in the middle of these two. The game kicks off and he needs to just bomb on. So essentially, yeah. they're playing one nine, and with Stones as the lone man. And of course, let's just just, just nick possession, pile it forward to Vardy, and he's done Stones. And before you know it, Leicester have four nil up, four nil up. And of course, Stones has made a couple of ricks, but he's been totally isolated. And he's looking round as it, as it happens. City scored two, and probably if the game had got five minutes longer, it would have been four all. But I always think that everything, every mistake he's made has been punished. He's been sort of you know, and and, and in a way. Guardiola almost hung him out to dry, and now he's back. Yeah. I just think it's fantastic to see. You know, and don't forget, he played in the World Cup semi-final for England. You know, mm-hmm. And he was good in that World Cup. In fact, the last time I think he he probably scored goals was probably in that World well, Cup. Well, that was the last goal he scored, he scored prior to anyone. last night. Yeah, he scored two, didn't he, in, against yeah. um, Panama? Panama, yeah. yeah. And I just think that, even then though, you know, in that semi-final, if you remember, I, I think he, he probably was half culpable for um, for their winning goal. But I mean, I'm not... And I just think that his mistakes... Have haunted him more than mistakes normally haunt players, and it's just fantastic to see. There was a moment there last night where he was a Pogbury dispossessed, and yeah. you know, just turned him dispossessed and turned him sprinted away from him. And that's the stones that those of us who, who followed him closely at Everton thought 
blimey, you know, and, and indeed of Barnsley before that. Thought, you know, this guy is, I mean, basically, you know, world class, future England captain. And then, you know, and listen, he's, he's not too too old now to establish himself. I'd love to see, I think he would be the most natural partner for Harry Maguire. Yeah, but absolutely. Andy, this is what I was getting at when I said I'd written him out of me as the England squad. Um, since that mistake in the Nations League semi-finals, yeah, the only game Gareth Southgate's wrist in yes. was in that tricky seven-nil win against Montenegro. Yes, when he was never going to be tested. That's uh, yes. that's his only international. No. Has yeah. Gareth got a blind spot over him? Well, I, I don't know. Is, is he, well, he hasn't because he, he obviously trusted him in the in the World Cup campaign in 2018. And up until I do genuinely think that game against Holland um, in Gamarish was was a real turning point. You know, Gareth really. I mean, I mean, he really was made the the scapegoat for that game. England didn't play very well in that game at all. But if you remember, mm. and you remember, there was a little bit of a fallout, wasn't it, from that game when 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 Gareth essentially criticised him. And if you remember, John Stones sort of dwelt on the ball, you know, looking for to pass out from the back. And if you remember, Kevin De Bruyne actually got involved in the fallout, saying. Well, you know, it's okay asking John Stones to pass out from the back for England. He says it's it's rather different when he's doing it for Man City because he's got me, yeah. Fernandino, yeah. David Silva, Raheem Sterling, all making different runs. He's got four or five options. He says with England, he looks up, you know, and and basically they're all not the same options. And it was a very interesting point. And I think Gareth got, I wouldn't say he got the hump with that, but I, I think he just, you know, it, 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 it was a big turning point there, and it took him a while to be convinced yes. again. You have That'll to be impressed, though, with the Stones, because don't forget, this summer, uh, well, the summer just gone, Guardiola spent a thick end of 100 million quid on two defenders, yes. Ake yeah. and Diaz. I know Chelsea, Chelsea were linked with Stones. I was certain he was going to leave. Just, yeah. He just looked like someone who needed a fresh start somewhere else. You know, he'd lost Goardiola's trust. He's had, but he's had injuries and he's had problems in his personal life. We all know about that. But fair play to him. He's dug in. He's got back in yeah. the team. He, he looks now what we all knew he was. Once you see him play five, six, seven games on this vein, you see a great player. And that's what he's been in the team the last couple of months. And now yeah. he's seen the benefits of that. I mean, last night, Maguire was at fault for the... Um, for the opening goal that Stones actually scored. And he did never put a foot wrong on that, Stones. And I'd be, yeah. I'd be absolutely amazed if he's not back in the Southgate's yeah. thinking ahead of next summer's Euros. Sorry, just briefly digressing. Where does this leave Laporte? I mean, what must our American yeah. Laporte be thinking? Well, indeed, and, and indeed, Ake. You know, Ake, I mean, obviously Ake's not been such a big figure, but it was a big, big <laughs> signing. Yeah, and yeah. I have to say, Ruben Diaz... I think has been the perfect sort of kind of tonic for for Stones, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, those two look like being the yeah. the, the yeah. centre of that partnership. Well, exactly, oh, they're brilliant, aren't they? And they're reverse roles, by the way. Yeah. Diaz is your big no nonsense English centre half. Yes, yeah. and Stones, Stones is the back of your, your fancy damn did, continental did, did, <laughs> play out I mean, from the back. Crazy. I mean, those of us who were watching, uh, oh, those were, yeah, and those of us watching on TV last night. Did you notice? I mean, did did you notice the? Um, the, the sort of you know the the um, the embrace and the um, camaraderie between Diaz and Stones at the end of the game. Yeah. You know they kept this clean sheet. You know and, and and they and there was a real. And I thought to myself when I watched that, I thought you know what that old chestnut that we that, that we've that so many people go on about about um, success being built on a on a solid reliable centre half pairing. You know a a Terry and Carvalho, a a um, Vidic and Ferdinand. And Adams and Bold, or whoever it was, John yeah. <laughs> Adams, Adams and Bold. I thought to myself, that's exactly what came to mind when I saw that. I saw, hang on a minute, 
you know, never mind rotation. I wonder now if Pep will say, you know what, this this, this is my pair. And as long as they fit, they're playing. Yeah, Andy, we're, I'm we're, pleased that you said good. Terry and Carvalho, simply good. because I always think it's the, it was, in my view, the best centre-half pairing in the Premier League era. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, there's, there's other shouts, but but basically, you know, Rio and Vidic, I always think Sol Campbell, Colo Torre. But I, I, funnily enough, I think as a, as a, a please, a stress, as a pair. Yes, that, I'm with that them, pair were ridiculous. They you complemented know, each other very well, didn't they? Yeah. Unbelievable. And look at look at Chelsea's stats in those first. Yeah. Teams oh, games. incredible! Unreal. I mean, I mean, I mean, incredible. I mean, what what was the goals conceded in, in, in that? Well, I think it was sixteen, wasn't it? 16, is, is that right? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it was in its, it was in, I know it was in its, its, its teams. Uh, uh, unbelievable, I say. Yeah, I thought Henderson and Fabinho were quite good. Henry, he's back in the picture come the Euros. He decides to play three at the back. What would your back three be? Well, I think the very interesting point is where Stones plays in that. Because mm. basically, you know, does he play his natural, obviously, side is perhaps the right. But then actually, do you go with, you know, Stones in the middle? Because I love to see Stones bringing the ball out. Maguire, on the, Maguire on the left. Yeah, Maguire on the left. I think Maguire is better on the left. I have to like say. at the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But then it, you know, it is, it is a, it's a dilemma. I mean, you know, Walker was great, wasn't he? Walker yeah. was absolutely yeah. great. At, 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 we shouldn't overlook that in the World Cup, and, and he's, he's enjoyed a renaissance. And maybe you need that, you know, slightly mm. not non-traditional on one side, you know. But um, centre half. But anyway, anyway, listen. Let, let's move. Let's move on because it also does feel as if it's been a very, very big week, COVID-wise, and, and, and indeed, I think will be a very big uh, week weekend, COVID-wise, for for the FA Cup. Uh, uh, Matt, I, I don't think we should overlook by the fact that by by, by the way that uh, you know our, our lucky football is, and I guess as we as journalists, you know, feel incredibly privileged at the moment to be there as well. Um, while the whole, whole country's you know locks down, it feels to me though that I don't know whether you agree that some of the footballers are taking that, and, and, and maybe elements of football are taking that for granted. You know, I think the COVID idiots and stuff. Are, are we at a tipping point here? Should we be worried about football carrying on? Should we, we, we be very, very concerned about the record number of weekly tests this week? I think it's difficult because football as a whole is doing all it can do to stay away from the virus as far as possible. But it's out there in society. It's more mm. prevalent than ever before. Um, and there are the same mentality of people within football, the same cross-section as there are in the general public. There are going to be people who don't get the, why the rules are there, who seem to think they're above it, whatever their motivation is, and do fundamentally really stupid things. And it is a small minority of footballers. It's a very um, sort of much highlighted minority, but it is a small minority. And as a general rule, football is doing everything it can to keep itself safe in very difficult circumstances. Now, the reason it's doing that and the reason why the government is giving it special latitude to do that is I thought was spelled out in a game we were both at on Monday night. And I ended up doing a match report on that just at the moment that Boris was locking down the country. <laughs> Basically, Southampton were opening up the title race and giving us all something to look at mm. uh, and to watch during the dark days ahead. For many people, it is difficult 
for some people. Um, you know, different circumstances and different families exist. So, you know, we're all in different <laughs> situations. But the reason for keeping elite sport going is, you know, within the country, the only way you can justify it is to give people something to look forward to, to talk about, to, to watch during a time when there is are very few other options. Uh, and if games like Monday night didn't do anything, it said that actually <coughs> fans, you're going to miss this if this is gone. Um, and it, it is going to be tough because it was tough back in the end of what should have been the end of last season when there was that vacuum and that uncertainty. So I think it's right that football is allowed to keep going, even though it feels morally uh, repugnant at times when people, you know, when you try and weigh it up against people on the front line, that doesn't feel right at all. But there is a reason for it. And let's, let's hold on to that reason. The same way as, you know, some other entertainments could perhaps have a bit of latitude and they try and do what they can for, for you know, socially distanced filming and whatever that in the past that's happened. In the same way, I don't think it's a bad thing. And with football trying so hard as a general to, to stick to the rules that it's been given, then I think providing the message is spelled out to the idiots that how privileged they are to be able to do their job. Then I think we, you know, perhaps get through this. Yeah, Jeremy, is twice weekly testing enough? I also think, particularly here at the EFL, you know, can League One, League Two keep going? I mean, particularly when I have to say, I hadn't dawned on me this, but yeah, you know, we're still seeing crazy goal celebrations. They've crept back in. <clears throat> We've seen shirt swaps. You know, crazy. Uh, uh, we, we've lost sight of it slightly. Haven't we? Well, look, yesterday. Sadly, the death toll surpassed a thousand, which, you know, it just made you stop and look at the TV, open mouth thinking, Craig, that's like, mm. it's like three jumbo jets flying out of the sky in a day. And it's just amazingly sad. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of told, I'm, I agree with a lot of what Matt just said. You know, we all need a bit of light in our lives. <laughs> These dark, dark times and football provides that. Is it appropriate that they're carrying on as normal when everyone's lives are in in tatters? Probably not, no. Um, <clears throat> you know, you see managers hug after a game. You see players embrace. You see these goal celebrations, swapping shirts. I just think if football is going to continue, it, there has to be stricter guidelines. and that Stuff mm. like that just has to be a no-no. I mean, it's just asking for trouble, isn't it? Yeah, we've really seen bubbles is. infiltrate. City have had issues. Newcastle have had issues. We've seen more and more games called off. You know, we're going to see what should be an iconic weekend of fixtures this weekend. Probably descending to chaos for obvious reasons. Look what happened at Derby. You know, looking like Shrewsbury can't have their game taking place this weekend against Southampton. Derby are going to have to field an under twenty three or under twenty one side. Are they going to do that? Are they right to do that? Because, you, you know, you mentioned there in the same sentence, you know, sort of kind of Shrewsbury likely to be off, Derby likely to field their, you know, development squad. I, I think, I, it, was, it was an interesting, interesting debate, that one. I think clubs are, uh, 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 they have so, they're under such pressure and such mm. obligation to fill these games this weekend because they know that if they're postponed, um, the FA are going to be in trouble then they're facing sanctions from broadcasters if they can't fulfil fixtures there's no gap in the window for these games to be rearranged so they will do whatever it takes to fulfil a game which is great in a way but it's not because these games some of these games aren't going to take place on a level playing field are they you know an under 19 team against a professional team is, is not fair so 
you know, it's 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 organised chaos, really, isn't it? It's such a shame, and because it should it should be a great weekend. We're going to talk about it later, probably. But some of the fixtures are monumental, really. It's um, it's probably not going to be as special as it, it should be. No, no. What? What? Listen. I, 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 did I mention I love the FA yeah, Cup, yes. and I genuinely do. I absolutely, really. I think it's that it's fabulous, and I'm, I'm an old romantic. And and one of the things I like about it is is the tradition. Okay, I, I accept the the, the one off um, ties uh, the, the, this year, and I actually think you know in the circumstances it, adds, it brings a new spice and really makes it so much more exciting. But even I was surprised yesterday, fourth and fifth round drawn together. On, on, on Monday night. Uh, Andy, is that the right is that the right way to do? Is it the only thing to do? Can you understand the circumstances? Because I was thinking, God, that's a bit strange. I don't like it, I must say. Well, yes, absolutely I can understand the circumstances, you know, you know, and you are going to see not just like the draw being made, you know, which helps people in their planning, but also you're gonna see, I mean, who knows what you're going to see in terms of um what'll happen to the fixtures. You, you know, there's mm. I mean, you cannot rule out fixtures being forfeited. I mean, at the moment, they haven't said they're going to do fixtures by a toss of a coin. No, that's been done in the past, as we all know, well, a long, long time ago. But um, and they're suggesting it might even happen in, in, in the women's FA Cup. But um, <clears throat> I just think, you know, John, you can't. You've got two options, really. You do everything you can. If that includes making a draw, you know, a couple of rounds in advance. If that includes fielding under 23 teams if that includes fielding reserve teams you either do everything you can to keep the competition going or you just scrap it all together right. you know and I do think that was a possibility well I don't think it was a possibility in terms of the FA would not countenance it but realistically you know something probably let's say I think we all agree probably and certainly Gareth Southgate agrees that something should have given you know when we sat down now we, if we look now from now to the end of the season we have to get the FA Cup done Finish the Carabao Cup. Okay, there's only one game left in there. Finish the Premier League, Championship, EFL, Leagues One, League Two, Europa League, Champions League, three World Cup qualifiers in March, and then the Euros. I mean, uh, and all the time, the rate of COVID is is escalating within football. 14 Premier League tests, the highest um, that we've had since the start of testing Premier League players. Do we really think, and when the COVID tests come in, the EFL, do we really think those numbers are going to give us any more encouragement that we're going to fulfil all these competitions. You know, I just thought, you think that something has to give. And now maybe the FA Cup could have been the one. I mean, it would have been a, a terrible thing for, you know, for a, a competition of that tradition. But once you decide it's not, you've then got to do everything you can to get it played. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, in this in, in, in this time, that's going to mean Derby County not sending a first team, not even sending their manager to an FA Cup game, you know, which, which on the face of it, had a, a great look about it. You know, I'm down to go to Chorley Derby. Um, a fantastic game. Wayne Rooney at Chorley. You know, brilliant. Now, you know, it, it, it's... Darren Russell, isn't it? Darren Russell. And- yes. Yeah, and nothing against with all respect, but it's lost its it's lost its sheen. It's lost its allure. But that... It has lost its allure, but it will still be a bizarre occasion, won't it? In, in, in that it'll be a unique occasion. Oh, yes. It will be, be a strange game to cover, a very interesting game to cover, surely. Yes, it will. I mean, it will. But yeah, but I have covered. I mean, strange enough, it's not the first time I've covered a a reserve team with not their right manager. I mean, I covered the game when Liverpool sent um, Neil Critchley in charge of their under twenty three team to Aston Villa in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were beaten. I think five 0 It wasn't the end. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, so, so I'm used to that. But we're just going to have to. We literally are just going to get, get. I mean, and I'm sure over the next 24, 48 hours, when the results of tests come through from all the um, lower league and non-league clubs that are playing, we might see more um, alterations. But they've got to get these games played somehow, haven't they? They, you know, they, as Jezza says, there's just absolutely no room for. No, there's not. I, I, I must say, I kind of, you know, because it's sort of, you know, did speak to, to 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 the FN people around it yesterday, and just to kind of trying to find out what on earth happens if if we lose mass games on the, in the third round. I think still think they think there's some scope to rearrange, you know, for example, a Southampton Shrewsbury, yeah. but there's not a lot, is there? There's really not a lot, and I get, I guess, I guess that's why you know fourth and fifth together makes a bit of sense because you've got some scope of planning but Matt honestly the, you know the, the cup this weekend I just can't remember a third and because we're going to get all the results coming through I think this weekend is going to be really special isn't it and something that we that we don't forget do, do, do you know we've got Marine Spurs Crawley Leeds it's you know there's some real you know all the all the Premier League clubs forget all Premier League ties for a moment I'm not 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 interested but you know all the Premier League ties seem to have been drawn with the big clubs going to to, to the away as the away team everything's got romantic written about it isn't it you know are you feeling the romance this weekend? Oh, of course I am, Crossy. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, the only the only people not feeling the romance, perhaps as much, are those empty seats, which is going to be a yeah, big shame. Yeah, We've discussed that before. What a great draw for a, for a fully supported uh, FA Cup third round. Um, uh, um, I'm off to Crawley. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Crawley aiming to become the new Colchester. Uh, Leeds weren't, aren't quite as big now as they were 40 years ago, but looking back at that game, that was another classic FA Cup. It was a fourth round game, wasn't it? Um, were you there? No, because I wasn't born to cross You were, though, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but, but that aside, yeah, no, that was a, I was looking back at some of the highlights that now, and it's a typical FA Cup, third, you know, early round clash, some mm. brutal physical challenges. But to be fair to Colchester, they stood up to them from Leeds and uh, managed to get the result anyway. Um, Crawley Leeds is going to be slightly different because Leeds aren't the Leeds of yesteryear, but but they're still a big name. Um, the, the other, the Marine Spurs game is is obviously the standout. Um, but I, I think you're a bit harsh to write off these all at all yes. Premier League matches because I think when you get in a Premier League match and you win it, you feel you've made a significant jump nearer to Wembley because you've beaten one of the other teams that can beat you in a cup. So I do think there is something. I agree it's not the romance of a... of a. But we see two Premier six. League games three day, three times a week, don't we? Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that... I'm down for Villa, Villa Liverpool, so I'm certainly not dismissing it. Please no, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I just think that, the, the romantic story, the romantic story... Yeah, yeah no, I'll give you that. Potential giant killer. Yeah, but I'm the, just saying, the, just don't run really, off your really really different, different story, I, I, yeah. I think, basically. I get your point about that, but it's, it's you know, I want to see, Jezra, I don't know whether you agree, that I, I want to see kind of, you know, Premier League teams taking it seriously, fielding full teams, you, you know, going for it. I was talking about Villa Liverpool yesterday, and someone said to me, oh, you know, Liverpool will field a, a weakened team, and maybe they will, and they quickly followed that up with, yeah. Yeah, but so will Villa. And I was thinking, Villa, no chance. They could they could go along. They could win yeah. the trophy under Dean Smith. Villa look like a good cup team, actually, don't they? When you watch mm. them play, they look like a team that could could do well in the FA Cup. And Liverpool, you know, 
they need to win that game. They've not won for three games. They're in a mini crisis at the minute. You know, the 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 the, the halo slipped. So, yeah, look, if Marine, I mean, it probably won't happen, but if Marine beats Spurs, it'd probably be one of the biggest upsets in sport. Never yeah. mind football. Yeah. I can't think of. I mean, there's been a lot of upsets where the underdogs won. I suppose Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas springs to mind. But if Marine, they're, they're so, the distance between these two clubs is vast, so vast that if Marine were to beat Spurs, it would be yeah, it would be seismic in in the whole of sporting history. It's just going to be sensational. I, I really hope. I really hope that Spurs. You know, and, and there's no reason to believe, given Jose's past history, that, that he won't play. You know, a lot of his big players there. You know. Um, and it'll just be, and they'll, they'll they'll like it, you know. I mean, people say to me, "Oh, well, Harry Kane playing in Marine well, One." Harry Kane's played around the lower leagues, you know, on loan. He's not, he's not some sort of like you know fancy Danny who doesn't, he doesn't, who won't fancy it. He'd love it. I think he'd relish it. He'd relish that sort of task. It's going to be brilliant. I mean, I, I also agree with Johnny. I, I don't write off the all Premier League games because I actually think John that Arsenal Newcastle. Yeah, is 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 a game full of I mean I mean one defending champions defending FA Cup holders against Newcastle whose fans are desperate for them to have a good crack at the FA Cup. That has been a stick to beat so many managers with that they haven't you know. And if Steve Bruce doesn't take that one seriously, then then he really will, really will. I mean, know what criticism is like from the fans if he doesn't already. So I think yeah. that's that, that's full of you know you know potential. Saturday evening kickoff. I think that's good, but then I think you know. I just, I just hope that that some of these games, you know, I, I, as you say, the, the essence of the, of the whole weekend is Marine Spurs, and yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to his extent, Chorley versus Derby. Because don't forget, if Chorley now can get past this Derby team, which, which is not now out of you know beyond the realms of possibility, considering they're sending you know essentially a youth team there. Then they're in the fifth, you know, they're, they're in the fourth round draw. They're in the they fifth round draw. draw as well. They could draw Marine. Draw the quarters, yeah. Who knows what? They'll know if they meet to the final the way it's going. Yeah. Can you say, can you say that if Marine or Chorley get through, they're in the fifth <laughs> round draw? Well, you can. You can. can. I mean, it's just amazing. Draw, well, we're in the last 16. Oh, is it last 16? There was no, a good no, piece no. on the uh, BBC this morning where a feature on uh, Marine and there's a... There's a good line in it where the um, chairman has had the carpet clean, professional carpet cleaners into the boardroom to clean the carpet in the boardroom for for Spurs' arrival. You know, Daniel Levy and Mourinho. I just thought it's just brilliant. Isn't it? That's what makes <laughs> that's what makes a third round. Oh. Yeah, it really is. I'll see you there, so I, I hope yeah. Tottenham do field some most of their big players because that's oh, I think they will. The respect no, 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 yeah, no, I'm convinced they will. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think they'll take it lightly. My, my power I was talking to yesterday who's the barometer, of course. Who you know for the FA Cup as far as this show is concerned, did say you know quickly followed that up with will Newcastle field all the stiffs basically, yeah. and I, I you know <laughs> I don't. I personally I don't think Steve Bruce will because I think he'll he'll he'll, he'll get it and. He'll understand because yeah, I, I mean, blimey, I think you'll have to go a, a, a little bit stronger. But um, but listen, let, let's move on. We, we we touched on Liverpool there, mm. and and you know, I, I was intrigued by this because uh, I was at Southampton on, on on Monday night. I must say, I thought it was a penalty. Stonewall, by the way, and Wijnaldum uh, shot that, that that hits Jack Stevens' hand. I know we've not we're not in quorum in agreeing on that, basically. Um, but, you know, so I asked Klopp about that afterwards and he gave a very long, expansive answer and touched on Man United and penalties. And I, I don't know, Matt, what did, you, what did you make of what did you make of that? Because I think Klopp's taken quite a lot of stick and I think it's a bit unfair. Myself. But there you go. 
I, I thought um, on the penalty incident, my my stand on it was it was a penalty at the start of the season. Referees got together in their mysterious meetings in December mm. and decided we'll give a bit more latitude on this. So we'll, um, you know, it, it was clearly unintentional. Uh, five years ago, there was never a penalty there. Uh, and they're going back towards that kind of interpretation. If the hand's vaguely near the body, they're being a bit kinder. So I felt it was in the current climate, he was he hit his arm down there. No, which you can't even see because it's off screen. That's how low it was. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't think he had his hand up particularly, and, and I didn't think it was a handball in the current climate. But like I say, start of the season when they were penalising everything. It would have been a clear penalty. Um, as to the two and a half, managers love that because it puts pressure on referees, which they're not supposed to do. Um, it points out the fact that United get a lot of penalties. Um, uh, and the next referee that manages United thinks, was that a penalty? Oh, God, it, Klopp will do his nut when I blow my whistle. It's in the back of his mind. It, and, and that's what they love to do, whether it's statistics <laughs> or whether it's something that United do. I don't know. But but the, Klopp said it because he wants a referee to be thinking, gosh, don't Manchester United get a lot of penalties? Do I want to blow my whistle? They do, though, don't they? Of course they do. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, Mark Hughes was the most honest I've ever spoken to on it. He seems to admit that being at Manchester United made penalties easier and the big decisions easier. He was adamant that the big clubs get the big decisions, you know, as a mm. former United player. He, he was mm. quite open about it. He was mid-league Blackburn manager at the time, and it was working against him. <laughs> Uh, and managers are also not averse to saying things that suit them to their own agenda at that particular time. But uh, but yeah, I think they do. But perhaps it's because they've got players who run past people in the penalty area. I mean, it might not be anything yeah, yeah. sinister about yeah, it. It's yeah. just the way they play. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. Jezza, about- are, 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 you know, in in the in the in the sort of kind of fallout of a Premier League defeat. In the the you know when a manager is annoyed, when he's really anxious, when he's probably you know going, minds going you know eighteen to the dozen or whatever, yeah. and he's basically does he think right? I'm going to set a mind game trap here. Was it you know or, or is it come more natural than that? How what's the process? Do you think has Klopp basically? I'm, what I'm saying is has Klopp gone in there intentionally to 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 you know lay the poison basically? Um. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. Look, Klopp's, Klopp's a clever man. He knows the playing in Man United in a couple of weeks in the league, which now looks like a massive, massive game given the league positions. It, what struck me about it was, and I know we talked about this before we came on air, but wh- why why would you bring Manchester United into an, an argument about penalties unprompted? If you prompted, fair enough, but unprompted. Well, someone got, prompted him on the just, touchline. Just got me thinking that. about how down the years, I know Fergie was a master of the mind games, but... No club has got into the head of other managers more than Man United down the years. We've seen Keegan, Rafa's rant, you know, that infamous rant, Fax rant. And you just feel like, obviously, things are going against Klopp at the minute. He's having a rough time with um, with results and what have you. He's had a lot of injuries to contend with. He's, you just feel like it's all building up in his head. I just found it an odd thing to do. Now, on the flip side, was he trying to... Was he trying to, was he trying to Put a marker down, mind game wise, psychologically ahead of the game at Anfield in in um, in just over two, in just under two weeks' time. Who knows? If he is, then that's a very clever thing to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andy, what do you what what what, what do you think? And and you know, did, what implications does it have for that seismic game in a couple of weeks' time? I think it does have. I think Jeremy's absolutely spot on. No other club gets in any of the club's head, you know, more than Manchester United, and considering. 
the disparity between Liverpool and Manchester United over the last couple of seasons, it shouldn't really be that way. You, you know, Liverpool sh- should, Klopp should be able to take the high ground, but, you know, he hasn't been able to on this. I, I, on, a, on a more simplistic level, I do think there's not... I think what would have triggered it is, you know, he watches football the same as we all watch football games. And he will have seen, for example, never mind the um, handball claim, he will have seen Paul Bogba get a penalty um, after Douglas Louise um, challenged him against Villa. And he will have seen Sadio Mane not get a penalty when um, Kyle Walker-Peters um, tangled with him. And he will look at those and he'll think, well, they're very similar incidents and and how come they got one and we didn't get one? And that's that's quite a natural thing to do. But you could go on ad nauseum doing that, couldn't you? You could just, yeah. you know, you just got to get on with things. I mean, bear in mind, he did also have, both in that game and um, uh, both in defeat Southampton and in the draw against West Brom um, and in um, and the other draw against, I can't remember who it was now, but... He, 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 he has always he has always had the caveat of of paying a compliment to the to the opposition. You know, he didn't say Southampton didn't deserve to win. He didn't say West Brom didn't deserve their point at Anfield. So, so I'll give him that. I, I think maybe cut him a little bit of slack on that. But in answer to your question, you know, how does it shape up? It, it, it tells you that, that you know it, their worst case scenario, Liverpool, is for Manchester United. You know, to, to to be there at the top with them and to challenge them and maybe to go three points clear of them next week um, after the Burnley game away if they win that. And that's like, you know, it's a scenario they, you know, that they they'll they'll back themselves to, to come through the home game against Manchester United. But you know, they you know, United fans and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I thought his reaction was was great. And mm. um, they'll be very happy that they are in um, Jurgen Klopp's head, rather than being an afterthought like they have been for the last two seasons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just going to move on to the transfer window. Um, uh, uh, and really, I mean, mm-hmm. we're open, we're open for business. And um, I don't know, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Matt, Matt, what are you hearing? Do you think we'll have a? Do you think we'll have a busy January? Um, uh, no, what do you think so we'll do? Because, um, I think there's this COVID thing that now mm-hmm. people are seriously thinking this could be dripping forward into a, another season um, without getting full houses. Uh, and uh, so I think the people with the money don't really want to be spending any of it unless they absolutely have to. Uh, and, and it's really hard in general. It's the same problem. You need to sign players. And players don't necessarily want to leave their clubs at this period of uncertainty for something that looks good for the next three or four months while, say, Virgil van Dijk's injured. But then mm. after that, you wonder where you're left uh, at a time when the world is in a strange place. And I think people are perhaps feeling family a little bit more ahead of their own personal sort of uh, ambitions uh, and thinking more widely about the implications of any sort of move. So I'm getting a sense that there's not people angling for moves in quite the same way uh, as there are in, in other transfer windows. And, um, and yeah, ultimately it's, we had a ridiculous transfer window in the summer when we spent all the money that we were supposed not to have as a, as a global economy. Um, and, and I think there's got to be some sort of backlash on that. Yeah. Mm. Who, who needs what, Jeremy? I mean, it was, it was interesting seeing some, you know, stories about sort of uh, West Ham and Halle, you know, sort of potentially going to uh, Ajax, which would, you know, leave West Ham taking a big financial hit. 
you know, are, are we going to see a bit of that, basically, a bit of pruning and a few, a few loan deals? And who needs what, do you think? Yeah, Dunny's right. Look, we, the, the world we're living in today, it, it, it just dictates that there's not going to be a, a, a mass a mass transfer scramble. I mean, the big the big clubs, they, they all have their squads in place. They do all their main business in the summer. They always have done, all right, then maybe they'll tweak in January from a United or a City or a Chelsea or whatever, but I don't think you'll see much activity at any of the big clubs. I mean, obviously, you look lower down the leagues. Look at West Brom, for example. They probably need, what, 11 new players? Yeah. You know, they're just, they're just nowhere near good enough to stay up. So, obviously, Big Sam's struggling with the Brexit situation, you know. Despite <laughs> well, voting, look. I mean, despite that was a lovely moment of the week, really. Despite voting you know? for Brexit, he's now moaning about it because he can't sign any players, which makes me wonder, why have you taken this job, mate? I've <laughs> known about Brexit since 2016, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, that he clearly needs to strengthen significantly. Whether he'll be given the funds to do so remains to seen and be. Whether he can do it, actually do it, because obviously Brexit does come into it if you want to sign foreign players. But the other issue is, if you're playing in a Serie A or La Liga and you've been offered a move to England, do you want to come to England given the situation with COVID? I mean, will that come into play? Do you want to move to move you and your family to, 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 to the UK when it's, you know, got some of the worst numbers in Europe in terms of deaths and stuff? So that might be a factor. I don't know, but I don't expect to see any seismic deals. There'll be, like you said, there'll be, there'll be tweaks and change, slight change here and there, but nothing significant. I don't know. So, I think so. Just to Andy's delight, I think the main thing is going to be a few key loan signings. And I know Andy loves the loan signings. <laughs> oh yes, but when everyone's talking clubs, about, absolutely, yeah, you know, exactly. what, 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 everyone's what, talking what, about maybe why not? picking a few up on loans, and yeah, why not? that's going to be yeah. that's going to be the. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeremy, you touch on a great point. You know, if you if you're if you're an elite player in in in, in Spain or Italy, you see the absolute sheer chaos. Uh, with the mm. Brexit or uh, and, and you know airports, then also with you know can can we get in? Can we get out? What's happening? The way we've handled it, I think is you're absolutely right. I think that you know do do. So I don't think um, yeah. Or you might see everyone's having a party. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe absolutely, maybe 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 that maybe that scene is absolutely fine. Let's see. But uh, Andy, it yes. would be wrong remiss to have a show without without mentioning Mesut. And, they would. and Frank, oh, no. you, you are the, you know, you're the founder member, secretary, treasurer yeah. of the Mesut Ozil fan club. So tell us, you know, do, uh, do you think Mesut Ozil is going is to leave and break our hearts in, in, in this window? You know, DC United, um, you know, Fenerbahce have been, I have to say, I do think Fenerbahce would be the funniest thing ever simply because it'd be, been mentioned since I think yeah. the, the, since the day after he arrived as, as a potential move to Turkey, you know, and uh, I, I just think that would be the funniest thing. What, what, do, what do you see happening? What do you, where do you think Mesut will be in in, in June? I, I, I personally, if I had to have if I had to have a bet, would it be Istanbul? Would it be Washington? Would it be London? I'd, I'd go London probably, um, and and for him to do something. When his contract is, is is up and it's all very very simple, then you know it's it's not simple now. It's far from simple when you've got that sort of contract to to basically get away from it in in a January transfer window. And I just see it being a whole lot simpler um, come June. And I think that's probably where it'll end up. I mean, that's obviously the the latest that can happen. And he needs to do because he needs to play football. I mean, the Fenerbahce. Listen, 
you, you know, it's. I mean, he certainly made no no secrets of his love for Istanbul. You know, it, it, even over this past week, I mean, we've had pictures of him. You know, by the Bosphorus, um, past pictures, um, and we and we all know that you know that that would be a possibility. Um, but I just, I, I generally just think that that it will just, he will just, he's waited this long, and it, we've been in limbo this long. The little, the little, the little last till the end of the season, and that would be a shame because clearly he won't play for Arsenal between now and June. You know, I no. just cannot see it. I mean, well, it just won't happen, I'm sure. And which is a real shame. You know, it's a real shame that we don't exactly know why. I saw Arsenal at West Brom on on Saturday evening. And obviously, there's, again, the obvious caveat that it is West Brom and people are beating them at home for fun um, and scoring a lot of goals against them. Villa 3, Leeds 5, uh, Arsenal now 4. But, you know, I looked at those, the, the, the what what that... What was highlighted in that Arsenal victory, which was the performances of the younger players of Saka, of um, Smith Rowe, and of Tierney, and I thought, you know what? I, I mean, I, I'm pretty certain they would they would love to be playing with Ozil. I, I mean, what cannot be, what what cannot benefit a, a football team to have Ozil and those type of young players around and Lacazette beginning to fire? But I just, you know, it's just a shame. It's just it's just a real shame. I just I, I don't get it. I still don't get it to this day, but. Well, basically, you know, I, I can't see him playing for Arsenal again, but I don't think, I personally, if I had to have a bet, would say that it won't be resolved until June. Yeah, I don't think it will be resolved until the summer, I think, you know, just because his, his contract is laden with bonuses, yeah. basically, that, that were designed and put in there when, when he when he re-signed, you know, that, that contract to, to make sure that he stayed because he was, he was an asset and a, and a sort of, a you know, sort of a, a, yeah. an ongoing concern, which is probably, well, he's not now, is he? I think it's, I think it's just so sad that he's ending yeah. like this. I share your, share your view. I am going to finish, though, on the, on, on the FA Cup, guys. Um, because did I mention that I absolutely love the FA Cup? And I just want to hear about your sort of kind of your best FA Cup final memories, whether that's a favourite cup final or, you know, moment, <laughs> love of the cup, something that kind of is going to leave, leave us feel a bit uh, dewy-eyed and gooey ahead of this weekend. Um, you know, Jeremy, let's start with you. Well, you're going to love me for this because my first FA Cup final I ever watched as a child was the 1979 Cup final, the Alan Sunderland Oh. Last minute winner, five minute final. It was called. Mm, yeah, yeah. Arsenal two up. United came back to two two, and Sunderland broke down the other end and scored that amazing goal to win it. I just watched that game and thought, this is just amazing. Is this what the FA Cup's all about? And it made me fall in love with the competition when I was probably about what eight, seven, or eight years old back then. And I always remember that. I stood sometimes if I'm, I'm twiddling my thumbs at home, I sometimes try and get it on YouTube and watch watch the last ten minutes of that game. It's a phenomenal finish. So yeah, that's my abiding memory of finals. And yeah. also the one, the one other thing I was thinking about is when Wimbledon beat yes. Liverpool, which was what year was that? Eight, eighty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Within the first ten seconds, was it Vinnie Jones who took out Steve McMahon? Yes. And it was like. Christ. And he just got up and yeah. I think they mean business today, lads. And he just yeah, just got up and got on with it. I mean, that'd be like five red cards today, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it really would be. Yeah, really for like six yeah. get longer than yeah. trip, yeah, yeah. But I just, I just thought, oh, what a way. What? We touched on that, didn't we? we no, 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 no. We should have done no, trip, yeah. Just blame it, yeah. <laughs> That's another story altogether. And yes. Andy, what did you? Um, yeah, yeah. What, what's your what's your favourites? Well, I, mean, I wouldn't say favourites. Just, just I mean, just so, so many memories. I mean, so many memories. I mean, I mean, growing up, my I remember my first memory again involves Arsenal. But my my first memory is is, is is my dad is a big, 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 big Liverpool fan, 
And the 71 final was was the first. Mm. He couldn't get tickets for it. I remember, and it was good to remember, we listened to it at home. I was only a very, very young lad then, as you can appreciate. And um, I remember, I remember it, it was the Charlie George final. Yeah. Remember, I think Steve Highway um, scored uh, first. And then I think Charlie George got two. It was a famous celebration of him lying on his back on the Wembley turf. Um, one of the most iconic celebrations. That sort of stuck with me. I remember 1997 um, being very. I was really made up because one of my one of my good friends, good friends in football, Craig Hignett, was playing for Middlesbrough. You know, and um, a great pal of mine. I remember I was covering the game, and and he was playing, and I thought I'm really proud to have a a friend playing an FA Cup final. Anyway, I think he was supposed to be marking Roberto Di Matteo, who promptly scored after about 30 seconds. <laughs> And Borough got beat. And to continue that story, to continue our story, how it got even worse. I was given a lift back home from Wembley, back to the northwest, um, to a couple of pals. Well, one of whom was a pal, sorry, and one of whom he said, "Do you mind if my other pal comes along?" I said, "No." And I didn't know this guy from Adam. Did not know this guy from Adam. I'm driving back from Wembley. I haven't seen my mate get get beat by Chelsea. What I think two 0 in the end, didn't they? But I was, I'm doing the job, and then I'm driving back. Introduced me, my mate introduced me to this guy I'm giving a lift to. And as we're driving back, this guy says to me, oh, I said, oh, all right, mate. He said, so he says, oh, my name's so-and-so. I said, yes, what do you do? He says, oh, I'm a bank manager. And whatever. So I said, right. And then off we home, he says, oh, by the way, he says, hey, Eric Cantona's going to quit football tomorrow. I've gone, oh, yeah, here's he, mate. Yeah, what gives you an idea? He says, oh, well, he says, like, you know, he, so-and-so bangs me, or he bangs me, he's, like, he's going to quit football in the morning. I'm like, yeah, right, mate, sure he is. Yeah, <laughs> I get home and I think, where's he called? That would I'll make a couple of calls. I think I called a representative of Nike, you think he'd cancel it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's such nonsense in your life. No, okay, mate. I, uh, I'm thinking, what an idiot. Anyway, I go out, I'll play golf the next morning. I have a decent round, half decent round. I think I'm not going a cheeky six-footer on the last. <laughs> cheeky five-footer, Dennis Wise, as it's known, and nasty five-footer. I've, I've got into the car, Turned on the radio. We go live now to Old Trafford where Eric Cantona is quitting football. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest story I would have ever had, and certainly I've been even not even not even close ever since. Out the grasp. There you go, pal. So wow. that, I digress on the FA Cup, but that was the nineteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But how did he know? How did he know? Through the net. I could tell how he knew, bro. I would probably I would probably contravene the I I found out eventually how he knew. You know, my pal says to me, he says, he's blind. He says, don't he? He says, you missed that one, didn't you? I said, oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, why didn't you write the story? I said, well, I'm not being funny. I just can't write the story because no, a no. random bloke who I've only just met tells me this outrageous story. I said, I did make some calls in it. And everyone just laughed out of town. I mean, literally, you know, I called United, I called but and they just literally, what? You know, are you sure? You've been drinking? And and um, and then sure enough, it happened. But then anyway, I digress. But yeah, that, that was the 97 final, the 71 final, whatever. Um, yeah, so it's, um, and I remember, and, and, and funny enough, talking about uh, my, the importance of the FA Cup. If you go to, if you ask a Liverpool fan of a certain age, what is the most significant, most memorable day in their history? Mm. They probably won't say a European Cup final win. They probably won't say a, 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 a league win. They'll probably say when they first won the cup in 1965, which you know they hadn't won the cup until then. And and again, my dad still has the 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 pink 
Um, Echo from 1965, uh, whatever it was, you know, um, end of May 1965, EIA, the Reds have won the Cup. So it, it's got a special place in a lot of people's, um, a lot of people's football hearts. Wow, that is amazing. Sorry, I went on a bit this. No, no, what a great piece of mm. piece of memorabilia. We must, mm. we must, I tell you what, you must, we'll, we'll do that as an item perhaps yes. ahead. Most treasured piece of, of memorabilia. Yes. I've got a belt. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Matt, Matt, what do um, you know? Come on, what's your favourite FA Cup final? Well, the, the only thing memory. following Andy's tirade of stories there, the good news <laughs> is that Arsenal actually lost the first cup final that I saw in 1980. So, at least unlike you two, the the right result was achieved in my opening FA Cup final. Um, oh. What? Uh, but the first one, oh, the one I first remember really, and and sort of was amazing was the um, 1981 replay which was one of the early um games that i remember watching because as we all know games on the telly weren't that common back then uh so it's probably only about the fifth game of football i would ever seen i'd seen a couple live and and, and just the, the magic of that occasion the, the first game and then the replay and that ricky video goal um mm. spurs against man city uh well it's just it's just stuck in the mind and uh and it's uh, the only thing close to it i've seen uh, was uh, in the FA Cup was um, in 1999 when David Ginola did Barnsley. something similar against Barnsley. I don't know if you were there, <laughs> Jeremy, but out in the cold that night, it's the coldest yeah. Oakwell's ever been, and that's up against <laughs> some pretty strong competition. Um, but we, stu- we stood up, we stood outside the players' exit uh, between. There's a sort of a five yard dash between the player's exit and the coach and we stood there I don't know if he was in for drugs testing or what but it must have been an hour and a half after the final whistle uh, about a small group of us wait, journalists waiting to speak to David Ginola about his magnificent goal um, and uh, he came out uh, looked at us said oh David fantastic goal will you tell us about it and he says I do my talking on the pitch and got on the bus and that left us with empty notebooks after an hour and a half. So, so I can't uh, think of the life in me where I was so keen to get out of Barnsley. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, George Kirchhoff had that now, didn't he? But uh, that's another story. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't forget, on, 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 on Alex, again, digress to Alex Ferguson, always remind us of that goal against, against Barnsley. Because if you remember that year, we the football writers gave David Ginnell the Football of the Year award, the year that obviously Manchester United won the treble. And oh. Sir Alex were always, always going about that. What do you know? This is like for years after every single year. What do you know? You gave David Ginnell your Football of the Year award when the, the year we won the treble. And then we would just all be there, silence. There'll be about a 10 second pause. And as this side would be for one goal against Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've left out the colourful um, description. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. so there's not much I can say about that because this is the guy, this is the person that actually once once voted for Scott Parker in the year that West Ham went down. <laughs> as, as football of the year, it's always taught me a valuable lesson in that. Actually, I've since then I've ne- I've always 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 voted for a standout player, but they've got to have been in a team that wins a trophy got to win a trophy because because I don't care what you do what you do as an individual level that that basically you've always always got to you know do something individually that adds to a team that wins something and I think that brings us back to you know with perfect I may say so but basically it's all about winning it's all about trophies and that's why I think the Carabao Cup and indeed the FA Cup 
you know, remain absolutely important in the philosophy of some managers and, and the wise ones, the successful ones, frankly. So, so, we, so, so we can't vote for Harry Kane for anything unless he wins something now. No, and I have to say, on on if you were going to choose a Tottenham player, why would you be choosing Harry Kane? No, no, I'm just saying that. you've got a human song. I just But anyway, Grossi, we, we digress. You, 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 you haven't come back to your FA Cup. And, and considering oh, you are the, oh, oh. you love the FA Cup as much as I love Mezit, you, you can... You... Oh, there's so, there's so many... There, there are so many memories, so many good ones. But I must say that the the um, the the one in twenty fourteen is the one that actually is the is the one that really burns brightest. Um, actually, uh, when Arsenal were two nil down to Hull and should have been three, but for Kieran Gibbs clearing off the line, and uh, I must say I, that was a that was a real turning point in in the Wenger sort of years if you like and basically it's um and Arsenal then went on to win it 3-2 in 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 um in in extra time and uh, that that burns that burns brightly actually i don't know whether to 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 be honest and sort of say and sort of kind of this sort of dampen the mood somewhat but my dad had, uh, my dad who's my you know greatest supporter and, and the person that introduced me to football had, had sadly passed away just a few days previously and i was absolutely torn as to whether to go because i was in pieces and i did go and i always remember thinking at 2-0 down um thinking uh, you know can't you know? Can't you do it just for it for him for just once? You know, never mind me, but just he'll be you know because he didn't he went through a period of his life where he didn't miss a game home or away for for I don't know ten fifteen years, and then basically I was just thinking he'll be looking down thinking oh god they've lost you know they're losing and I can't believe it and so that was my magical memory. Sorry to be a somber moment and certainly not the humour of, of Andy's, but equally equally emotional. And I just thought blah you know that that was that turnaround was was something else really. So I'll, I'll always treasure that. But I do genuinely think the FA Cup is such a great wonderful competition. Absolutely. You know, an amazing, amazing thing, which is envied all around the world. And I love the fact that basically, you know, enough people take it seriously in, in, at the top level of the game to, to to carry on that tradition and magic. And I think it's I think it's a fabulous competition. And I'm, I'm its number one fan and not not afraid to say so either. So I cannot wait for this weekend. So there you go. There you go. So you shouldn't have asked me now, should you? Perfect <laughs> ending, pal, I would have thought. No, no, absolutely. But no, guys, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Honestly, I've had so much fun today uh, doing it. I, I hope everyone watching and listening uh, has had as much fun as um, as hopefully the four of us have as well. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the FA Cup. Stay safe and, and well amongst these crazy times. And I can only hope and pray that people will be uh, safe and well enough to, to return to football because, my God, we miss you, you know, so much from football grounds uh, uh, and we should never, ever take that for granted. So thanks so much for joining us. Guys, thanks so much for your company. Great. See you same place, same time next week. Bye.